Welcome to How They Get Stuff Done, where we ask successful people about the productivity habits behind their success. Side effects of listening to this show may include elevated levels of motivation, acute feelings of inspiration, and lasting improvements to your productivity. Now, here's your host, Peter Akis. Hey, folks. Today, I'm speaking with my friend Marina Diaz. Marina is a psychologist and online course creator. Her courses cover a variety of topics. One is a therapeutic writing course based on acceptance and commitment therapy. Another teaches how to build an effective morning routine, something we discuss in our conversation as well. And a third course is about planning your days with a bullet journal. On top of that, Marina runs a monthly membership that includes group coaching calls as well as a physical magazine that she produces every month. Phew! But... That's not all. Together with her husband, Marina runs the journaling app Perspectiva, which is designed to help you build the habit of journaling. And she does all this while being the parent of a two-year-old, which we get into during the show. Marina and I discuss building a morning routine you love, how to get your important work done early in the day, how to be productive with a toddler around, and much more. Enjoy the show. Hey, Marina, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you, Marina. So before we get started, uh, you are in Spain, and I think of Spain as a country that's really sunny, um, warm, there are beaches, um, and I, you know, I'm from the Netherlands, I'm Dutch, and a lot of Dutch people, especially older people, they'll spend their winters in Spain just to escape the bad Dutch weather. But then the other day, I saw that there was lots of snow in Madrid. What's happening over there? Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> it, it's the... The name is Philomena, I think, like a, a, a huge storm that took over the country last week or a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember when it was. Uh, but yeah, they haven't seen uh, that snow in, I think, 60 years. It didn't really snow where I live because I'm pretty close to the beach. But I could see snow from my window in the nearby by mountains, and that never happens. And in Madrid, it was insane. I mean, I was getting a lot of uh, pictures from my family and my friends, and there were people skiing in the middle of Madrid. And someone had a, a, a yeah, like dogs, like snow dogs uh, in the middle oh, of, wow. of, the, of the city. Yeah, it was a bit crazy. But I think, yeah, people got trapped in their cars uh, because, of course, we're not used to that kind of weather. But... I think everything is quite fine weather-wise. Yeah, the rest is not that good. But weather-wise, I think things are good again. <laughs> it's so funny that you mentioned that people are not used to it because I remember at some point I lived in Boston in the U.S. and we had two snowstorms in one week, uh, each piling on about one meter of snow. So in, in total, two meters of snow. That's six feet for any Americans listening. And um, I think people there, they just are like, whatever, this happens. This is fine. I have to dig out my car from underneath the snow. And I was like, you what? You have to dig out your car from underneath the snow? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, I've been to Boston once and it was the worst. Uh, yeah, I, not exactly a snowstorm, but it was the coldest in like 20 years or something too. It was minus 35 degrees Celsius. I really don't know how to use Fahrenheit, so you'll have to do the translation for me. But I was super cold and I was seeing people around, you know, going out and going to places. And I was like, oh, my God, if we had this kind of cold in Spain, people would just stay at home all day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> people need to adapt. All right. All right. So I like to start every episode by asking my guests the same question. So you better be ready for this question. 
Marina, you offer a bunch of courses, self-paced courses, live courses, sort of in the, the topic of psychology. Um, you also run a monthly membership. You produce a physical magazine every month. You, it's, you kind of have a private podcast from what I understand. And you also run live group coaching calls. So the fact that you get all of that done every month makes you very productive, objectively speaking. But how about on the inside? How productive do you feel, Marina? Oh, that's a super interesting question. Uh, I, I love it because I think that uh, many of us who are productive, you could say, by normal standards, <laughs> uh, don't actually see ourselves that productive because we are always comparing ourselves to what we could do or what we could achieve if we were 100% productive 100% of the time because we kind of, we kind of can imagine how that would look like. Uh, but I kind of have accepted that's not possible most of the days and perfection is only in my mind. So yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm productive by myself. I consider myself pretty productive. I think I could improve in delegating and uh, compounding my productivity by using, I mean, using, you know what I mean, by <laughs> getting help from other people. That's what I'm working at now. But I think that by myself, I'm pretty productive already. Although, yeah, I can see how I could get more productive. And of course, if I compare myself with, yeah, I don't want to say regular people. I don't want to make it seem like I am in another kind of realm. But yeah, people who are not used to working by themselves, I would say. Uh, I, I would say I'm pretty productive, yeah. Yeah, I, re I love that you bring up the fact that this is all relative based on what you're measuring it to. And uh, yeah, I find myself doing the same thing where I imagine some hypothetical Peter who is perfect, basically, who always <laughs> knows exactly what to do, when to do it, is always 100% focused. And obviously, that's not, that's not the case. That's not reality. So you mentioned that you would like to get better at working with other people, at delegating. Um, are you still working with an assistant? Because I remember you mentioned that a while ago. Yeah, actually, I'm working with her more now. Uh, she's working for me uh, six hours a day, which is plenty. And I'm loving every second of it. It's amazing to have someone who will take care of more unpleasant parts of the business for me. And yeah, I feel much more rested and much more focused now that I have her. She's amazing. She's, uh, she has her own projects as well. She really gets what I'm trying to do with my business. Uh, I'm really happy to be working with her. Yeah. And so why did you choose to hire an assistant? What was going on that made you think, okay, you know what, <laughs> it's time to do this. <laughs> well, uh, on one hand, I realized that on a day-to-day -day basis, I was doing stuff that I, that other people could do. And you know that they say, I mean, they, <laughs> uh, productivity gurus or entrepreneurship gurus, that the way to go is to do the things that you do best, uh, to do the things that only you can do for your business and find a way to delegate the rest. And that makes a lot of sense to me. And it's also what I enjoy the most. So at some point, I realized that I had to find a way to delegate all those small tasks. Uh, and another thing is that even though there's still much that I could automatize and that I could improve, so I don't actually, neither me nor my assistant should have to do some things that are not properly set up. 
But at the same time, knowing that someone is there for me that many hours forces me to think of ways that I could make my business grow without being so concerned about it taking a lot of time to do that. Uh, so yeah, let, let me try to explain this better. So sometimes when you're focused on just uh, not having to do any non-important tasks, so you're automatizing things and you're looking for ways to not having to do things, you know what Tim Ferriss says about Uh, if you if you can eliminate, if you can't uh, automatize, if you can't automatize, delegate. But I also think that there are other things that a human can do and that are good for my business. And I like that I don't feel limited by that now because I want to just save as much as possible in in work hours. That, that makes, does that make sense? It does. It does. And do you use any specific tools or? workflows to collaborate with your assistant or is it you know because you said you have to um of course think of what, what tasks do i want to delegate is that is there a fixed package of things that she's working on or is it sort of hey let's have a meeting every single week talk about what you're going to do for me this week uh yeah so at first we were communicating very often like every day uh via whatsapp or via email because of course i had to explain her a lot of things about the business, but we've been working together for, I think, three or four months now. Uh, she already has a pretty clear idea of how everything works. Uh, she has some things that she has to do um, on a fixed schedule, like, uh, I don't know, making sure that my, uh, my newsletter is uh, properly set up and check the comments on my website and approve them and moderate them, stuff like that. And also, the membership she knows that she has to uh, to do the design part and to send the the content to the printers and stuff like that but also there are things that are coming up every day uh, so we communicate through twist i don't know if you know the tool i think i've heard about this is this like a collaborative email tool uh, not really i would say it's like slack but mm. without the the synchron synchronous communication you would say so it's like a forum uh, the way the way it works uh, you create threads and you create messages and you have notifications but they are not instant notifications and you can see if the other person is writing uh, so it's built to foster asynchronous communication actually so you can focus on what you're doing and you don't have to be waiting for the other person to answer because i i realized that was a huge time sink communicating with my assistant, especially because I love her. She's so funny. We like to make a lot of jokes. We send each other gifts. And yeah, that takes a lot of time. So at some point I had to say, yeah, no, we have to find a better way. And I'm loving Twist because it allows you to have all your messages organized by threads. So it kind of becomes a, a place where your documentation is and where you can search for how you did this or that and it's uh, organized and and yeah so every day you go to twist and you have an inbox where you can see all the messages where you have been mentioned my husband is in our team as well because he helps me with all the technical aspect of my business and you can mention people but you are encouraged to mention as little people as possible so they don't get distracted So every day I get to twist and I get to my inbox and I can see all the messages where my assistant has mentioned me. But at the same time, every message is on its own thread. 
Uh, so it keeps everything pretty orderly and, and tidy and, and nice. And yeah, maybe I'm talking about twists too much, but I'm really happy that I found it because before that we were communicating through email and WhatsApp and it was a mess. Everything was lost around our inboxes and it took a lot of time and our communication flow is much, much, much better. So I can't recommend twist enough. Yeah. Well, Thanks for sharing that resource. I'll make sure to put that in the show notes for the listeners so they can find it. And I'll be checking it out myself as well because you make it sound pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So one thing that I've been telling my audience a lot recently is sort of an insight that I, that has slowly dawned on me. You know, sometimes you get a sudden insight. Sometimes things just take a while to sink in, which is that... Um, you really have to batch your communication. So I, I really recognize myself in your description of like communicating all day and how distracting that is. So what I've started to do is I mostly process my email once a day, for example. So it's usually at the end of the day, I'll like check my email inbox in the morning just to see if there's anything urgent, but usually there's not. Um, so rather than popping into my email inbox all day, I, I just sort of do it once a day. Do you have, uh, a process for dealing with your communication, both with your assistant, but also with your students, or is it kind of whenever you have time? Uh, yeah, I've improved that a lot as well lately. And I found what you said that checking email once a day is ideal for me. Also, since most of my students already know that I have my assistant, that I have Mariona is her name, uh, most of them hard, have her email address and she does check her email pretty often throughout the day. Uh, so I trust that if there's something really, really urgent, they'll go to her. And also I try not to create expectations in my students that I will answer every concern that they have immediately. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think that's important too, because sometimes as small business owners and personal brand kind of, uh, yeah, entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. we think we feel more more obliged than other kind of businesses to to answer and you know if i have a problem with my internet and it's friday i know that i won't be able to communicate with them until until monday and it's okay i mean it's a pain in the ass of course but i can deal with it i can survive so why do i create the expectations that i have to be there for my students 24 7 it doesn't make sense right so I try to check my email only once a day and it's usually at the end of my morning. Uh, and that's, that, that has worked so well. Uh, yeah, because before that I used to check my email too often and that's a complete productivity drainer. And also, yeah, I resend my assistant the emails. So she doesn't check my email, she has her own. And then I resend everything that I think is important. So I'm always the first layer between my students and, and her, unless they directly write to her. If they have a technical issue, they already know that they have, I mean, they have, they should, or they could <laughs> write directly to her. But I'm thinking of changing that as well and making her filter my email for me and then resend the emails to me. Yeah, I'm still figuring that out, but so far I'm much, much happier with my email system than I was, I don't know, six months ago when I was swamped and really desperate about finding a way to manage it better. Yeah, and I love what you said about setting expectations for people. So many times I'll have a student ask me, Peter, what should I do? I just get like email all the time. And a lot of my students are, you know, they work in a corporate setting. 
So maybe they're uh, managers or, or employees or could be executives, but either way, they're, they're just getting so much email all the time. And um, they might think, they might ask me, how do I deal with this? How do I stop getting as much email? How can I be productive despite getting so much email? And so you talked about expectation setting. Um, do you have any advice for people who are in that situation where they're, they're in maybe a corporate environment? So it's not like they have students, but they still have their boss or their coworkers constantly emailing them. Um, and it's making it hard for them to focus. Mm, yeah, I, I would say talk to them. I mean, I have never been in a corporate environment, so please take my advice with a grain of salt. Don't <laughs> get fired. <laughs> but unless you want to get fired. But I would say, yeah, talk to people who are sending you all that email and make clear that it's for the greater benefit, that it's going to benefit everybody, that uh, you will be more focused, they will be more focused. And also maybe give them alternatives in case there's something really urgent. So my assistant knows that if she must contact me immediately because something is time sensitive, she can just uh, write a, a message on Telegram and I will see it right away. So giving them that alternative might be good as well. Um, and yeah, also maybe anticipating that at first it might feel a bit clunky or that you have to wait too much. But sometimes it, it takes a while to people to organize themselves themselves without your constant, your constant input. So for example, with my assistant, she was at first she was used to whenever she found an obstacle in what she was doing, she would, in, I mean, not interrupt me, she would just write to me. We were used to doing this. I don't want to make it seem like she was, oh, oh Marina, I need you. It was <laughs> just the way. It was about expectations, right? So right. it was, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> so after that, I told her, if you get stuck on something, but it's not urgent, just do something else or try to get unstuck by yourself. And if you don't, just uh, change your task, do something else. And I will tell you, what to do at the end of the day and you can continue tomorrow so she has organized her own workflow in a way that she has plenty of things to do because she doesn't all only have to do urgent things she has to do other maintenance things or ongoing things on the business uh, and she has gotten used to this and she likes it better as well because she doesn't have to be interrupted too so uh, it might take a while for your coworkers or your bosses to get used to this, but I think eventually they'll also realize that this is better for everyone involved. Yeah, so there's going to be some short-term pain. I want people to to anticipate that <laughs> and to realize that that is uh, that is how it works. <laughs> Absolutely. You said something earlier, which I love, and I want to get back to, because you were talking about Tim Ferriss's mantra of uh, eliminate as much work as possible, and if you can't eliminate things, automate it, and if you can't automate it, delegate it, <laughs> which I've been thinking <laughs> about that recently too. But you said that you do like having an assistant for some things, and I think you mentioned it's because of the human touch. So there's kind of some human interaction that people get um, instead of you just like being unavailable in a certain way. Can, can you give some examples of what is uh, something that you appreciate having your assistant do rather than just trying to not do it at all? Yeah, that's a very good question. So, uh, for example, um, communicating with my membership students. Uh, yeah, so for example, uh, they they ask me questions and uh, I could eliminate the support, but I have her 
filtrating all the questions, filtering, sorry, all the questions. And if there's a need for clarifications, she can ask that to the customers. And also, for example, when they want to cancel the membership, I always ask them to tell us personally, instead of just going and canceling their subscription, they can do that as well. But I tell them, uh, it's nice if you let us know so she can communicate directly with them and make and let them be sure that their subscription, subscrip, sorry, subscription is correctly canceled. Uh, so she can actually, you know, tell them that they're welcome to come back. Uh, yeah, those could be two good examples. I'm, I'm sure there are more. If I can come up with something else, I will tell you. Maybe in the middle of the interview, I'll tell you, yeah, Peter, I just... Remember this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's fine. Um, I like that example because this, this relates to a broader point that I've been trying to make recently with my students is it's easy to hear a good soundbite online or maybe you're reading a book and you're reading a phrase or a sentence or a paragraph and it makes so much sense in your head. You know, you're like, Tim Ferriss, he's a successful guy. He says you should eliminate and if not automate and if not delegate. Um, but you really got to think, do you have the same objectives as Tim Ferriss does? And you may not. So I, I love this example. And it's true in uh, all areas of productivity as well. So I often tell my students, yeah, just because someone else time blocks their calendar every week, you know, literally says Monday from 9 to 10, I'll be doing this. Monday from, you know, 10 to 1130, I'll be doing this. Uh, just because that works for someone else doesn't mean it works for you. And speaking of this topic of planning your week, um, I know that you offer a course on morning routines. So I would love if you could describe your morning routine to us. Sort of what are the steps involved? Yeah, of course. So I usually wake up without, without an alarm clock. Uh, I don't even set it up anymore. I used to set it like a, yeah, like a safeguard, I, I guess. But I wake up at 6 a.m. pretty much every day without an alarm clock. Now you're just making people jealous, Marina. <laughs> I'm just bragging. No, but actually it's not as good as it seems because I wake up at 6 a.m. At 6 no matter what hour I go to bed. So I can't sleep in. That's, you know, that's something that I thought only happened to old people, but I guess I'm older than I thought. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so maybe if I go to bed, for example, on New Year's Eve, I went to bed a bit later, of course. Not much, but a bit earlier than usual, a bit later than usual. Uh, but I still woke up at 6 a.m. It was ridiculous. Uh, so after that, I spent like 10 minutes, and this is a bit ridiculous as well, but I'm going to say it anyway. I spent like 10 minutes hugging my husband. He's, of course, sound sleep, but uh, we don't go to bed at the same time because he's totally a night owl, and you see that I'm a morning person. And I enjoy that time, those 5 to 10 minutes, uh, hugging him and just, you know, listening to the sound of his heart and thinking, oh, I love him so much. I really do this. It's not, I mean, I'm not making this up. I literally do this and think Very I Very romantic. So much. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so after that, uh, and also he's warm and it's cold now in Spain. So uh, <laughs> after that, I, yeah, I change clothes. I weight myself every day too, because I like to, you know, to know that I'm not gaining a lot of weight because of the pandemic and everything. I look at my aura stats, my aura ring stats. Like, how did I sleep? Did I get enough deep sleep, enough REM sleep? I don't know, it's nerdy. <laughs> After that, I go to my office. I uh, connect to the work gym from Ultra Working. I don't know if you know this resource. No, I've heard of Ultra Working. 
Yeah, so they have this uh, virtual co-working space. It's really good. I joined in, I would say maybe May or... Yeah, and they run 24-7 co-working space. Uh, they structure the working work cycles. It's 30 minutes work, 10 minutes uh, break. And it's really good. I've been working with them for many months already, and it's really good, especially in these pandemic times. So I connect there. I plan my day with Complice, another app that I love. And after that, I do fiction writing. Uh, so I will, I will write for about one to two hours because I've realized that if I don't do the fiction writing first thing in the morning, I don't do it at all. I need a uh, time in the day where I have the feeling that I don't have to do anything urgent. Mm. And that time in the, mo in the early morning is super good because everybody's sleeping. So it doesn't really matter what I do. So I can do something that's not that important. And uh, yeah, after that, I try to do some movement, um, like some yoga or some mobility work. And then I start with my highlight, which is my most important work of the day. I know this sounds like, oh my God, the, the ideal morning routine, but it took me a lot of time to get to this routine. So if you're listening to this, don't get discouraged because it took me literally years to get here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think that's that's it because by then it's already mm, I would say 10:30 p.m., 11 p.m. Uh, sorry, a.m. And by then I have already moved a little bit. I have already written some fiction, and I have already do, done my most important work. So I think yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> that does sound like a lovely morning routine. But I want to hear a little bit more about how you develop this routine because you said it took a while. I'm sure you didn't create it step by or all in one go. I'm sure it, it happened in steps, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it took a lot of trial and error. So also because you sometimes have a pretty fixed idea of how a morning routine should look like. Like, yeah, you have to wake up and then you have to do yoga and then you have to meditate. And what I realized is that if I started my morning routine with activities that I didn't really feel like doing that much, everything became much more difficult because I would be in bed, you know, hugging my husband, telling him I love him. Mm. And then I would think, okay, and I have to wake up and meditate. And I, I don't really want to get out of bed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what was really a game changer for me was realizing how much I love writing fiction in the morning. So I would be in bed, hugging my husband, telling him I love him. And then I would think, yay, I get to write some fiction. I get to write my novel. That's so much fun. So I would jump out of bed and go write my novel. And instead of forcing myself to start by, yeah, moving or exercising or whatever, I just go and write because it's what I feel like doing. I also have a standing desk. Well, it's a, actually a regular treadmill, but I can put my computer on it and it's a standing <laughs> desk. <laughs> That's a budget standing desk. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yeah, I use it for while I'm writing fiction sometimes, especially if I'm doing lighter editing work or something like that. And that helps me feel like I'm starting my, my day right because I'm moving, blah, blah, blah. But if I don't, I just write and that makes me happier. Uh, so yeah, it took me a while to try different things and see that wasn't working. And then I think I, I discovered the fiction thing pretty much by chance. Uh, I don't know how, because I was doing a challenge with myself or something. And then I realized, wow, this, this really works. So I'm going to do this. So if people want to start with a morning routine of their own, what is the one thing you would recommend that they start with? Yeah, I would say start with something that you actually enjoy doing, not with something that 
someone else, some guru or something has told you that these the five more important things that you have to do during your first hour. Just find something that you actually enjoy and it can be writing, it can be reading. Yeah, I did that for a while too, reading in the morning. That was super nice. But uh, I realized that I had to use those hours for writing because I can read later, but I can't write later. But that was nice as well. So that's something you could try. Many people love reading and they can fit or they seem to not be able to fit it, to fit it in in their schedules. Uh, or if you really love yoga, but you think that you should do heavy lifting, just do the yoga. Or if you want to go for a walk, that's a pretty nice way to start your morning as well. Uh, and then build on top of this. But the first thing you should accomplish if you're trying to build a morning routine is to get out of bed. And you won't get out of bed if you're dreading what you're set to do. I will take that advice to heart. I think that's great advice. <laughs> <laughs> so people like you and me who have independent businesses, um, you know, I guess you, you have an assistant, but you're mostly working by yourself. Um, I am probably even more than you working by myself because I, I don't currently work with an assistant. Um, we have so much flexibility when it comes to scheduling our days, right, and our weeks. So that could be really overwhelming for some folks. Some people, they just need like a super structured agenda, right? And your morning routine sounds very structured, but what about the rest of your day and sort of your week in general? Do you plan in detail what you're going to work on when, or is it, you know what, after the morning routine, all bets are off? Mm, well, I'm still figuring out that part. So what I do right now, as I said, I have the highlight. So mm -hmm. I try to assign something to my highlight every day. Uh, by the way, I learned about this concept of the highlight in the book, Make Time, which is really good. Uh, I don't know if you, if you have read it, but I really no. loved it. Yeah, I, I can never remember the authors, but yeah, it's Make Time. <laughs> it, <laughs> and I'm sure you can look that up. Yeah, it's two guys and the names are a bit confusing because it's Jake and John or Jake and I don't know. Whatever, the book is great. <laughs> uh, so I try to assign something to my head, to my highlight every day of the week. Uh, that's a pretty nice way to organize yourself because you have plenty of space to move things around because a highlight is one to two hours. So if I don't get it done first thing in the morning, I still have the rest of my day if something unexpected comes up. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and after that, I do less important tasks. I do communication with my assistant. I do email. I do my newsletter usually, although I'm trying to patch that now and do it just once a week, but I'm just trying it. I literally started last week, so let's see how that turns out. But I am now not completely sure that's the best way to organize my week because what I've realized recently is that uh, I'm pretty productive but I could be more efficient. Like this concept of sleep efficiency. As I said, I'm, I'm a sleep nerd, kind of. I have the aura ring, I check my stats every morning. And there's this concept which is sleep efficiency, which is uh, time you spend in bed versus time you spend sleeping. So I want to figure out what my work efficiency is, which would be time spent in my office thinking that I'm working versus time I'm actually working. <laughs> and I want it to be as high as possible. Uh, I love that. <laughs> That's <yeah>. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, uh, this, this quarter I set the goal for myself to work way less. But then I started tracking my work hours with Toggle. 
And I realized that I already work very little. Uh, I mean, intensely, but not that much in terms of hours. So, but I spend a lot of time in my office and that's bad. So right now what I'm experimenting with is having days that are heavier in terms of workload and days that are lighter where I do just buffer tasks and email and stuff. And I think that might work better because otherwise I, I think I have a lesser sensation of time abundance. Uh, yeah. And also I have a daughter. I haven't said that before. So I try to leave my afternoons and evenings free so I can be with her and with my husband and also do another things for myself, like exercise and reading and stuff like that. So I try to finish all my work by 1am and by then I have lunch, which I know it's normal in the whole world, but in Spain, that's really, really early. I mean, Spanish lunch, yeah, for real. Spanish lunch, lunch is usually about 2.30 or 3 p.m. So, yeah, I feel like, oh, wow, this is pretty early. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and after that, I try to read, I rest a little bit, then my daughter wakes up from her nap, and then, yeah, the evenings and the afternoons are pretty much more unstructured. I'm so glad that you brought up your daughter. So, uh, she's two, <laughs> right? Yeah, she is two and four months, I think. Yeah. Right. Because I, I, you know, I've been wanting to ask you about this because I remember you told me something once and I'll just read what you, what you told me once. You said, it's difficult to comprehend the massive loss of freedom and time for yourself that you lose oh, yeah. <laughs> when you have a kid. Um, and so I don't have kids. Uh, I might have kids at some point. I think I will. But right now I don't, you know, I only intellectually understand this. I haven't felt this. So, um, when you plan your day or your week, right? Like, how do you account for having a kid who could interrupt you at any time, regardless of what you're doing? Yeah, uh, actually, uh, well, we have a nanny now because we were thinking to get her into daycare uh, maybe this year. We weren't that sure, but with the pandemic and everything, we decided to just get a nanny. Uh, so she's, I mean, my daughter knows that I'm working. I stay inside my office. The nanny usually takes care of her not interrupting me, like opening the door or anything. Uh, whenever I go out, of course, she says, oh, mommy, mommy, hey, mommy, I want to be with you. But I'm very clear with her, like, no, I'm working and I know you want to do this and I understand I want to be with you too. Uh, and we will do this after, after Maria, who is our nanny, after she leaves and we will do this and that and that. And um, bye bye. I love you so much. And then I go back to my office. Uh, so we're pretty uh, strict about that in the mornings because otherwise you're not working, but you're not with your kids either. So I'd rather be really working when I'm working and really be with my kid when I'm with my kid. Uh, also, I don't like to be on the computer when she's around because, you know, sometimes when people think about having kids or sometimes people say, yeah, so I started my, my business from home so I could be with my kids more. And you have this image of you working on your computer, the sun is shining and your kid is on the floor <laughs> playing with blocks, <laughs> entertaining herself. And, you know, maybe some kids do, but mine doesn't. Of course, if she sees me with the computer, she wants to be on the computer too. And she wants to watch a video. Uh, she wants to search for scissors on Amazon for some reason. Once we search for scissors and now she's completely obsessed with that. So <laughs> she has to be in another room if I want to work. So that's also motivating for me. I actually became much more efficient and productive when, when she was born. 
Yeah, it sounds to me like you subscribe to the philosophy of um, give yourself less time so you'll work more efficiently. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I get more done now than before I had my kid. And it sucks, you know, because, <laughs> and I, I bet a lot of parents might relate to that, because you don't actually value your time and your freedom enough before you have kids. And of course, you can't go back to that after you have kids. But when you have kids, or at least that's my case, I think, wow, man, if I had one full week without kids now, I would get everything done. <laughs> and my days would be so perfect and productive. And I would work out and I would read and meditate and I would do everything instead of just letting days pass by as I did when I was single and, and silly, you know. But of course, that's not an option anymore and now... Now you're doomed. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's, it's so funny because um, a few episodes ago, I spoke with Francesco D'Alessio, another friend of mine, and he just said the same thing. You know, He said, yeah, you just learn to make better use of the small amounts of time you have here and there. So uh, I guess that's a, that's a positive thing I can look forward to um, when or if I eventually have kids. So <laughs> something else I really wanted to get your thoughts on, Marina, is um, you have an email list. Uh, a couple thousand people, I'm guessing, something like that. People that you email um, every uh, a bit single more. day. Not much more, but a bit more. Like, okay. uh, I think it's I think it's five k now. Okay, that's pretty good. And, and so, but you're emailing these people every single day. They're subscribed to your emails, and they get they get them every single yeah. day. So poor people. <laughs> yeah, poor people. Um, well, you mentioned that you've been experimenting with batching writing those. So I'm very curious to see, you know, before your experiment, how did you do that? Like, when did you write your email every day? How did you make time in your day for that? What do you do when you don't feel like writing your daily email? Yeah, that's a really good question. I love writing my emails. It's not a chore for me, like at all. Uh, because they are entertaining emails. I mean, I try to make them entertaining. And I talk about, I don't know, my life and something that happened some time ago or the news or something I read. And it's like a journal, like a public journal in a way, you know, of course, not that intimate. And it's, it's actually um, thought and written to persuade people to buy my stuff. Yeah. But it's also, yeah, but it's also pretty personal. And I have a lot of fun doing that. So before what I used to do was after my highlight, but before my email, the next thing I would do was my newsletter, my newsletter. And I enjoyed it pretty much. I have a note with ideas for my emails. I have a bunch of ideas. Uh, and even if I didn't have any idea, I would just sit there and think, oh, what can I write about? And usually like 80% of the time I have plenty of ideas and it really flows. 15% uh, of the time it's like, mm, I'm struggling a little bit. And then 5% of the time it's like, oh, I can't come up with anything. But usually it's a pretty, pretty enjoyable experience. And on average, that would take me half an hour a day to do. Uh, but recently, I went on vacations and I want to keep sending them emails. So I decided to run to write a bunch of emails in advance. Uh, and of course, I wanted to get it done as soon as possible because I wanted to go on vacations. So I realized that if I batched them, I could write an email in 10 minutes. And it wasn't... I mean, I don't think you can tell the difference, really. It's not like if you take three times as much to write the email, it will be three times as good or it will convert three times better. I don't think so. So I'm batching it now. And for example, last week I wrote seven emails in one hour and 40 minutes. And I usually, it usually takes me half an hour every day, including the weekend. So that would be 
Help me, Peter, help me. Three and a half hours, right? <laughs> yeah, you saved almost two hours, so that's really good. Yeah, and it's not only about those two hours. It's also about having more unstructured time during my day. So yeah. now the day I'm not writing the emails, I have half an hour more to focus on something that's deeper if I want to continue, continue my highlight. So in a way, it's a bit sad and I don't know if I will do it indefinitely because if I write it every day I think it's fresher I feel more connected to my email list mm. but at the same time the the cost is high in terms of interruption the rest of my days and mental workload and of course total time yeah there's a lot of things that sound familiar to me so I, I email the people subscribe to my newsletter once a week um so that's much less than once a day, you know, basic math. <laughs> um, I did write a blog post every single day for a year uh, some years ago, so I know what it's like. Um, and one thing that I love, because this seems to be the experience that a lot of people have, is it's way less hard than you think. Like people are like, oh my God, that's like something that I have to add to my daily to-do list. Ah, I already have so many things to do. But actually like with practice, it becomes pretty easy, I think. Um, I do love your point about, you know, efficiency. And, and one thing that I've personally found is if I have too many things that recur on a daily basis, it starts to get frustrating. It's like, I feel like I'm not in control of my time. All I'm doing is going through my daily, you know, repeating tasks, right? Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So would you say that, um, you know, like how many hours a day do you spend on sort of your daily tasks that you do every day is it just the morning yeah. routine or uh, before that can, can i say something about what you just said about email oh, um, of course yeah yeah because i think this is important I, I picked this strategy of daily email one because i thought it would be very effective uh but above all i picked it because i enjoyed it and i decided to yeah. base my business on things i enjoy uh, so if this seems like a drag to you and it's like something that you will hate, I mean, I had been writing a personal blog for years and writing daily or almost daily for years and years. So I had a lot of practice in writing personal short texts. Uh, so for me, it was, it, it's fun. It's really fun. Uh, so yeah, try to base your business in things that that are fun for you and totally yeah, i wanted i really wanted to say that <laughs> no you should and it's not just for people who have a business it's also for people who like have a job you know it's like if your job consists of things that you don't like what are you doing <laughs> yeah yeah and can you can you repeat your last question again yeah, please <laughs> i'm just curious how many hours of your day are already accounted for by your daily things do you feel another way of phrasing it do you feel like you have a lot of freedom on a daily basis to say you know what today i'd like to do this or do you feel like it's kind of already predetermined and much of your day is already scheduled ahead of time yeah that's a very very good question because i do have the feeling that i don't have that much freedom to do whatever i please like I would love to get to a point where I can say, all right, so today I want to go climbing with my husband. So let's go climbing. Or today I want to go get a coffee in the city if, you know, if it's possible at all. But that's another topic. <laughs> yeah, that's a different topic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or I want to go for a long walk and I want to spend three hours outside just walking around the the, the place. Uh, but right now we can't do that. So that's why I am experimenting with batching things and with having more work intense days and then lighter days where I have that sense of freedom. Because, I mean, right now, uh, 
of course, I have to account for four hours a day dedicated to being a mom, four or five hours a day or yeah. even more. And that's a lot of time, right? Imagine that you would have something that takes uh, five hours of your day. If I didn't have that, of course, I would have plenty of freedom because I'm done by 1 p.m. So I would have uh, half of the day to do many, many things. But I have my daughter. Uh, and, you know, taking care of a toddler, especially in these times, can be pretty, uh, yeah, pretty routinely as well. And you find yourself doing the same things over and over. So that that can drag you down and that can give you the feeling that all your days are the same. So that's why I'm experimenting with a less regular pattern so yeah. I can batch things and I can have more a, a, a greater sense of, of time abundance. Totally. And I think most people struggle with boredom sort of from the routine these days, right? I remember mm. um, one meditation teacher I follow said, in some ways, this these pandemic times are like going on a meditation retreat where everything is just <laughs> the same every single day. And it's your job to just be in the moment and enjoy what's going on rather, <laughs> rather than constantly looking at the future. And I was like, you know what? That's a good analogy. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Final question for you, Marina. Where can people find you if people are like, you know what? This Marina, she, she, she knows what's going on. She, she has some good insights. Where can people find you? Yeah, well, first of all, a word of advice, all my work currently is in Spanish. So if you want to enjoy my work in Spanish, if you know the language or you want to learn it, you can find me in my website is Psicosupervivencia. Maybe you can write that down because even spelling it is difficult. I mean, I came up with that name a bunch of years ago already and I don't really like it anymore. It's too long and too difficult to pronounce, but I'm stuck with it by now. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And actually, if you want something in English that I think is extremely useful and valuable and where you can get a lot of value, that would be the app that I run with my husband. It's a journaling app. It's called per Perspectiva, Perspective in Spanish, per Perspectiva, uh, that's difficult to pronounce as well, perspectiva.app, app, you can put that in the show notes as well if you, if you want. And it's an app uh, thought to help you be consistent with a diary, with a journal, if you have never been. Uh, I think it's pretty great, so you can check that out too. Yeah, that sounds lovely. I'll absolutely make sure to put that in the show notes. Thank you very much for coming on, Marina. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Hey, if you like the show, subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you'll never miss an episode. We'd also love it if you rated the show on Apple Podcasts. To find out more about Peter or about today's guest, check out the show notes. Thank you for joining us on this episode of How They Get Stuff Done.